Hello and welcome to this Gateway House podcast. My name is Shubhashish. Today we have with us Rajni Bakshi, who is our Gandhi Peace Fellow, and Amit Bhandari, he is our Energy and Environment Fellow. We are going to be discussing the Paris Climate Talks, what has happened over the past three days, the outcome, the possibilities, and an agreement if it's if it's possible. Uh, Rajni, uh, to begin with, uh, you know you. Uh, before the paris talks began there was a lot of optimism that this time they might reach an agreement do you think that optimism levels are still there or it has uh, toned down a bit i think it's first important to understand why the optimism was there at all and it was there because even 8 to 10 months earlier the prospects were so grim for any meaningful agreement that various events leading up to paris have raised hopes and i think realistically so Uh, I think what is unfolding at the moment is completely expected. The kind of power plays, the um, West versus, uh, e- e- well, the North versus South, uh, and it remains to be seen. I think it's still early days. It's it's only expected in such a conference that this is the phase at which the uh, overstretched posturing will happen. Mm-hmm. And so I would withhold any projections as of now, and we hold on to the optimism. because uh, there is an underlying determination this time that we have not seen even in lima mm-hmm. overall both mm-hmm. from governments to business so this underlying you know uh, uh, the moral fight which is going on between the north and south when india says that the west has to take responsibility uh, but when it comes down to the actual negotiations these points don't hold true because then it's uh, you know what we call it in international relations as realism then it comes down to the actual fight as if you know when uh, when the us says that everyone has to be equal they are they are completely doing away with the definition of uh, north and south divide how much that impacts negotiations in paris at this at this point of time uh, i it's difficult for me to say what the impact is on the actual negotiating table but i will uh, highlight one feature which is that if you look at what the civil society voices are saying who are all outside the negotiating halls but very much there in paris in very large numbers in spite and making their presence felt though they've not been able to march in rallies etc i think they are making the point that is actually central that you have to treat lifestyles of the north versus lifestyles of the south regardless of which nation you are in <laughs> and if you look at it from that perspective then of course still the national position that india and other developing countries are taking does hold but the real burden of responsibility shifts to all of us who are living first world lifestyles mm-hmm. and i think really that if the negotiating um, uh, process can cognize that and find a way to uh, you know map a deal that really pinpoints those responsibilities then the national level com- competition Uh, will hopefully uh, in a sense fall into place in better than it is at the moment though of course national interests will remain in the play now uh, taking this forward amit uh, you know uh, financing is also a very important aspect of this and we are seeing a lot of uh, a tug of war of sorts happening with the green climate fund what's your expectation what's going to happen in the end uh, well uh, one thing i would uh, like to since you mentioned green Cl- finance fund Uh, OECD has come out with a report saying that uh, total green finance now adds up to almost 60 billion dollars a year uh, to which the Indian finance ministry has objected saying that these numbers could well be exaggerated and not all of it can also be counted as green finance 
uh, what I would like to the, the important point to note, however, is that much of this finance is actually private sector money, commercial finance, which means that many green projects are now financially viable on their own compared to earlier technologies. Uh, a, a good example is a solar power project that was recently awarded in India to Sun Edison at a price uh, at which electricity uh, it offered an electricity price which was cheaper than nuclear energy or hydropower. So effectively technology in the last three or four years has reached a point, renewable technology has reached a point where it is already cost competitive with a lot of pre-existing technologies, not all but many. So this has led us to a point where it is some of these technologies are also commercially viable and commercially beneficial to use. This to my mind raises the chances of some kind of a binding agreement. And secondly, because these technologies are in any case viable, they will get adopted irrespective of what the governments decide to do at Paris. So to that extent, we should also start witnessing some improvements in uh, global climate. I would like to give you an example here that the carbon emissions of European Union and the US have both been falling for the last four or five years. And this is partly because a lot of people there are going for solar and electric vehicles, solar power and electric vehicles. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, but in this, but in this uh, context, uh, I would like to get a point of view of Rajni as well, what she has to say on, on, on this thing. I just want to add to what Amit said, uh, that one further uh, evidence of what he is highlighting is the We Mean Business Alliance, which is making its presence felt in, mm -hmm. in Paris. It's an alliance of uh, some, some of the largest multinationals in the world. Mm -hmm. Uh, and it's only one of various such bodies that are uh, on the ground there. And basically these are companies, all very large companies that are making public commitments to dramatically lower their carbon footprint. And some have even joined the RE100 mm -hmm. uh, campaign in which companies are putting a date mm -hmm. by which they will be completely free of fossil fuel dependency. So this is a very big factor in favor of a, 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 a binding agreement because as you know so far one of the biggest uh, drags on serious climate action was the profit motive mm -hmm. and, and the logic of business. So that has shifted. But also India is, uh, is uh, against uh, you know, having a binding agreement on, on INDCs, that's a fundamental position. And at this point of time, our discussion is going towards having a binding agreement. So how do you see Indian negotiation uh, on that uh, line, sir? Amit? Okay, uh, India has released its set, set of INDCs which commit to 175,000 megawatts of renewable energy by 2022. So the, the, what India is trying to say here is that these renewable energy goals that we have set, while they are feasible, they are also expensive compared to the cheaper options that still exist, such as coal. And to meet these objectives, we require a, degree, a certain amount of finance. And this is what we are trying to get from the Paris uh, Agreement. That, uh, you know, we, will, we would like to do what is good for the environment and we need money to do that. And uh, the developer world can try to help us out. This is where the whole $62 billion uh, contribution or the $100 billion clean fund argument comes in. Uh, but also there is an argument, you know, uh, when they say uh, uh, 60 or $100 billion clean climate fund every year till 2020, that uh, some of that funding is tied to like you know the green climate fund is tied to their yeah. foreign aid so that's okay. how they're trying to Take bypass it. this issue yeah okay so you know again this brings me back to what we were uh, discussing earlier that uh, governments of the across the world are going to behave often in a very short-sighted manner 
and a green technology will uh, succeed or fail only because it is commercially viable mm -hmm. luckily for us and hopefully for the planet because we have reached such a point these technologies will anyway get adopted uh, we, we uh, you know expecting the governments to act in a measure in a long term manner is not something uh, you know which we can take for granted uh, the, the, so the, the, the better hope is that because these technologies are efficient the market itself will drive us towards a solution I want to add here that the term stranded assets has become very current in mainstream global finance yeah. and it refers to the uh, possibility that what you today consider a very rich asset like namely coal, petrol, etc., could in a short time frame of 10 to 15 years become unusable yeah. as the science on climate change wins more and more, um, con you know, uh, acceptance by governments. So, some of it is anticipatory market trend, mm -hmm. and that's why the term stranded asset is very evocative. Yeah. Uh, okay, one last, uh, you know, a statement from you, Rachni, and followed by Amit. Uh, we are also looking at this, uh, you know, uh, for example, till few years ago, green or, uh, you know, ec uh, ecologically sensitive uh, industries were, it was looked as against growth, you know, when, when industry said that uh, it's against growth. Now we are looking at some kind of an uh, coming at power alignment. So how do you see this new, new structure? The idea that growth has to be green is not new. Uh, I mean, there have been cover stories done on it by global magazines even 10 years ago. Uh, what is perhaps new is that the, as Amit highlighted, the wherewithal for it in terms of technology and its market friendliness and the acceptance by investors etc. has definitely reached a, a kind of a landmark point. That is what is new. But <laughs> there is a word of caution here that how it will actually pan out in day-to-day -day life mm -hmm. in the short to medium term is still to, needs a lot of watching because uh, when it's all over Paris, everybody's gone home, just sifting the spin from the substance will be quite a challenge for the people who are watching this closely. Right. Uh, and uh, Amit, uh, is it possible to achieve sustainable development keeping in mind all the green rules and laws and for corporate India or corporate world to have profitability? I will specifically look at two industries, coal and oil, because in terms of a global impact on climate, these two industries have the largest impact. And uh, at least right now, we are at a position where certain options exist, where the role of these two fuels can be reduced to a very substantial extent in the next 10 to 15 years. So there, there, is, a, there is a very clear, there is a very clear uh, option that seems to be opening up to us. Great. Uh, Rachni, Amit, thank you so much for this conversation. Thank you. You were listening to a Gateway House podcast. Thank you for listening.